Hi, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this is Translating ADHD. Listeners, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, we encourage you to listen to that one first, because what Cam and I are doing here is we are revisiting the cause and effect metaphor that we presented to you in episodes 10 and 11, and that continue to be a big part of the language of this show. And our goal here is to clarify some of these terms for those of you who have listened to those episodes and maybe still aren't clear on what we mean. And for newer listeners to sort of catch you up if you didn't start back at the beginning, because we now have 60 episodes for you to listen to, for you to be able to listen to these newer episodes and understand the language that we're using within the show. So Cam, last week we talked about the valleys of effect, and that's kind of where we left you, but we didn't leave you all the way down at the bottom. We left you on approach to somewhere. That somewhere is the lunch counter. And this is probably the term that we use most in the show in terms of casual language that we throw into episodes and we hope our listeners understand what we mean because that metaphor is kind of a shorthand. And here's what it's a shorthand for. The lunch counter is about symptoms, those level one ADHD symptoms, procrastination, rumination, distractibility, impulsivity, emotional dysregulation. And honestly, the list could go on. We could keep naming level one symptoms and variations thereof for the duration of this episode, really. So what do we mean when we say the lunch counter? Well, Here's what we want you to envision. The lunch counter wraps all the way around the base of Mount Rainier. It is the barrier between where we are down in the valleys and getting to causation, meaning getting to what is the bigger ADHD cause behind these unwanted behaviors or behind the fact that I'm not doing what I know I want or ought to do. That bigger picture that's going to help us see what's getting in our way and how we can get to where we want to be. First of all, Cam, it's not just a lunch counter. You can't just hop over the counter and start to see your way up the mountain. It's more like the ice wall from Game of Thrones. Right. And for those of you who haven't watched Game of Thrones, this is what, how many feet in the air? I think it was like 300 feet or something like that. I mean, it's, it's, it's a formidable barrier. Yes. What's interesting about our barrier is that we don't see it. Because one thing that I do know about people with ADHD is when we see a barrier, we'll often be persistent, stubborn in trying to find our way over that barrier. Oh, there's a barrier, there's an obstacle. How can I find my way around it, through it, over it? And so the interesting thing about the lunch counter is that we don't see it. It doesn't present as a barrier. It presents as a kiosk. It presents as a marketplace. It presents as a service desk that last week we talked about when we're in the valley and starting to seek answers of this dilemma, what's going on? Well, we're trying to go to an answer place. 
So we're going and the, the lunch counter in a way serves that purpose. It provides some answers. So back to my experience is that as I got my diagnosis, the natural question is, what's going on? What is this thing that I'm feeling, experiencing? What is this? What's happening? And there was someone there to answer my questions. Well, let me tell you, this is what's going on. That there's a population that presents in this way. About 4% of adults, about 10% of children now in the US. And we see this constellation. We see this constellation of symptoms. What's going on? I'll tell you what's going on. You do X, Y, and Z. And very helpful. It answered a lot of my questions. It gave me a sense of, oh, I have an answer now for what was not answerable. Down deep in the valley, I didn't have the answers. I didn't even know to look for the answers. You know, so as we've been discussing this, Shelley, and talking about revisiting Mount Rainier, cause and effect, lunch counter, there's another piece that I'm adding to this, Shelley. You know, it's like Cam can't help himself with that idea <laughs> generator. Like, I, it, it just came to me. It came to me in a moment, Shelley, and I can't deny it. You want to know what the element is that, that is laid across this whole model? Cam, when you are this excited, I always want to know. I sort of thinking about the lunch counter again as this, it's a place where people get answers. And I was thinking that we kind of come to it when in fact, I think the lunch counter in a way kind of like it's set up there because there's a group of us congregating. I used the term pilgrimage last week. And I think that that's really relevant here is that when we start to put things together and wonder what's going on, we start to seek answers like a pilgrim. You're on this pilgrimage and you're on this road to seek discovery. And so winding out of the valley is this road that we're traveling and we come to a place. And it's at this place where all these answer seekers are congregating. It's not necessarily because it's where the lunch counter is. It's actually because the barrier is there. We can't go on any further. We cannot move and, and progress. So we're there wondering. And so the lunch counter is when we see a need or we're like, we see a group of people and they're looking for answers, we're going to provide answers. Like I said last week, the professionals who have been at this for years, studying this, researching this, their work has been extremely important. And I don't want to dismiss or diminish what they've done. But again, it's outward looking and it's answering that question of what's going on. Can you tell me what's going on? And so they say, yes, I can tell you what's going on. This is happening. You're distractible. You're impulsive. You don't finish tasks. And so those level one symptoms, that's the answers that I got. And so that's what I did was start to manage those symptoms. Oh, okay. And how did I do that? Well, I did it with medication and it worked. I remember I went in and I took a test and it was this commission omission test where you click a button and a little orange square would show up and click it when I saw it. Don't click it when I don't see it. And it was hard. It'd been hard for anyone, but it was hard for me. Come back a week later and they medicate me. So I'm medicated with Ritalin and it's a different test for me. 
It's a completely different test. And I remember sitting in this guy's office and it was an emotional moment. I said, is this, is this what it's like to have a neurotypical brain? I didn't use that term because we didn't have that term. But is, is this what normal is? He was there behind his desk and you know, kind of the wise sage. I just remember he didn't really say yes or no. But another physician had told me that in discussing treatment for ADHD, he said, proof is in the pudding, really talking about the effectiveness of medicine. And so for years, our approach was really around, it was the meds because statistically they work. What we've learned over the years is that pills don't teach skills and that this is the advent of coaching and behavior modification of looking at this experience. But back then at that moment, I had come because I was hungry, Shelly. I was hungry for answers and the lunch counter satiated my appetite in that moment. The interesting thing was I thought I was done. I thought I was done. Okay, I have ADD. I'm done. I'm at my destination. And as I said last week, there was a lot more learning to be had, especially really I was managing symptoms, but I wasn't getting to causation to really understand that prolific idea generator that was beyond the place where I was. I couldn't see it. It was sort of Rainier was in the clouds, getting my service needs. And it's like taking my car in for a service. You know, it's like, all right, you're going to rotate the tires and now you're back on the road. And what did I do? I went back, back down in the valley. Because when you're at effect and living there, it's so hard to see causation. That those of us with ADD, we can't see the impact that we're having in the moment. That lived experience is so hard for us to evaluate to see objectively. And that's why this model is so important to Shelly and myself. Well said, Cam. And I would say this model is not just important. It's the premise of this show. You will notice, and we've said from the onset, that we don't come here week to week telling you how to solve your behavior or your symptoms. We come week to week helping you learn how to examine your own lived experience. And I'm going to park that thought there for a moment because when we talk about doing your lunch counter work, we are talking about starting to do the work of examining your lived experience. But before we talk about that, I just want to add some things to what Cam has said about the lunch counter and how we don't see that barrier. You go searching for information on ADHD, you're going to get lots of advice, lots of tips, lots of tricks, lots of here's the behavior, here's the impacted executive function, here's how you fix it. And the thing is, is some of that stuff does work. We can find things where we see our own behavior in this written article or in this book and apply these techniques and see improvement. So it's not that there's no value there, but it's missing the bigger picture. So we apply the technique, the system, the idea. We see some improvement, but then we find ourselves back down in the valley again, and we're going, what the heck? How do I keep ending up back here? I know something I didn't know before. I know I have ADHD now. I have a better understanding of how it presents and how it impacts me than I ever did before. Why am I still ending up back in the valleys? 
And that's where we get to individual manifestation. So when Cam and I talk about doing your lunch counter work, because the next step here is not to just climb over or pick your way through or blast through the ice wall. That's not what happens next. That's not what happens next for any client of ours that comes to coaching. But it's treating the lunch counter a little differently. Instead of walking up and treating it as a help desk, I'm distractible. How do I solve that? It's walking up and noticing distractibility and noticing what else might be at play, noticing combinations of symptoms that are manifesting for you based on the topic or the area that you're looking at, getting a bigger sense of what's really happening here. For any one client, what's going on behind procrastination can change drastically depending upon what the thing is they're procrastinating on. So the word procrastination itself has limited usefulness. What's going on behind procrastination? What are some other words or symptoms that we can pluck out there to get a clearer understanding of what this instance of procrastination is for you, client, or you, listener? And from there, Noticing the ones that start to show up over and over again. Noticing repeating patterns. You know, what for me is sort of at the core of my ADHD experience, the things that tend to show up in almost every aspect of my life in one way or another. That's so well said. I think that we need something compelling to take the effort to, first of all, see that there's something that the lunch counter is more of a barrier than it is a service desk, number one. Number two, we need something compelling on the other side to investigate. It was, for me, my awareness through trial and error, fits and starts, that I would start and I wouldn't finish. And it's so interesting that the difference between I procrastinate and I put off versus I start and I don't complete. And there was an ownership part there. Part of our understand, own, and translate process, there has to be an ownership of that impact. Often what we can do is run away from what is uncomfortable. And so turning into the discomfort will help you turn into the learning. It was looking at my own behavior and not making excuses or blaming others, or the environment, and what's going on in in me that is having this effect, right? So the whole beauty of the Mount Rainier model is to appreciate it all together. And so I had to start to get answers. In order to get beyond the lunch counter was to start to ask questions about this completion thing, because that, that's more related to executive function breakdowns. That's more related to causation. I don't finish. It was impacting my ability to provide for my family. And that got my attention. So then there's a curiosity of, oh, okay, I'm not completing. What am I doing? What am I actually doing? And starting to appreciate and tether between cause and effect. And we've said this before that you want to try to like, well, I'm just going to blast this wall. Sheer effort, <laughs> the uh, fifth gear, hyper-focus. I'm just going to bore through this ice wall and just blow it to bits and we'll be done with it. It's going to be there. What we want you to do is, again, climb that tree. 
or get up in that balloon and appreciate the whole model. And we're going to move into how to get up on the slopes and causation next week, because that's the third element of four elements that make up the Mount Rainier model. But just starts with curiosity. It starts with a, a wonderment that there may be something beyond this service desk, beyond this initial lunch counter. Cam, as we were talking about this, I was thinking about a way that we can shift our understanding of the lunch counter. Meaning when our clients come to us, they're often looking to us as the help desk. That's the perspective that they are coming to coaching with. And it is our job as coaches, just as we see it as our job as hosts of this podcast, to help them understand that it is their own lived experience that will offer the richest learning and the biggest opportunity for change. So it's not that the lunch counter isn't a resource. It is. But we're not going to a help desk, right? We go to a help desk. Usually that's an IT help desk. I don't know how to fix it. You fix it. Or you tell me how to fix it. It's more like a catalog. You know, I'm thinking of like an, a library, an old card catalog. But instead of a card catalog of books, it's a card catalog of us. Our own past lived experiences what's going on behind these level one symptoms in terms of manifestation, what other language we can apply. And as that learning grows, the catalog itself grows because we know more about ourselves and our individual manifestation. And so we can draw upon that body of knowledge to grow the catalog. So the lunch counter is a tremendously, tremendously useful place the thing that most people miss, the thing that Cam and I are passionate about helping more ADHD people see is that it's of limited usefulness if we treat it like a help desk, if we're hoping someone else can tell us how to solve or how to fix or how to do. But once we start looking inward, once we start developing curiosity and developing that practice of examining lived experience, it's a game changer. And Cam, the thing that blows my mind the most about doing this show is you and I didn't know if we could bring that experience to a podcast. It's very different to try and help people examine their own lived experience when you don't have that person on the other end of the conversation. We had no idea whether or not this would work. So to get your emails to see the conversations happening in our Discord community, to see the tweets that you all are doing this work is so cool. It's so cool. And we are so happy that this show is the resource that we wanted it to be. I'll add to that, that in the Discord this week, we're seeing how the concept of big brain, fast brain is resonating with people. And this is an example of, again, what is above the lunch counter. That inattentive and hyperactive impulsive, the different subtypes of ADHD are very much symptom focused. And it just doesn't speak to our own experience. I don't wake up thinking I'm being inattentive. I've got lots of thoughts and ideas. And so when we introduce big brain, fast brain, that's moving through that lunch counter. That's moving through that barrier to more of causation and the actual experience. This is getting to, I, lo I love that. I love the catalog. We just talked about doing a glossary. I think the catalogs are getting in there. Developing this catalog 
the damnable thing that happens is all of us have these catalogs and we make them and then we set them aside. And so finding a reliable place to capture this information, this learning, and to come back to it. This is why on your own Mount Rainier model is to build your own road, your own pilgrimage. As you seek answers, you know, you think of uh, Odysseus had it rough, 10 years of the Trojan War, then 10 years being challenged, you know, before he get home and his dog could recognize him, 10 years. But Odysseus didn't have this challenge around not remembering key learning or applying key learning going forward. He was like, oh yeah, okay, I fought the Cyclops and I you know, didn't go to the sirens on the rack. I, I wasn't wooed by them. I dodged that one. And, and now I remember what I'm doing. I'm going home, coming back to the road and my purpose. Ours has, we have all kinds of side learning and side trips and challenges. And part of the challenge is then getting back on that road to seeking answers. And then as you come to that lunch counter, you experience the marketplace that's there. Shelly, you were saying this before, there's information that's out there that's helpful. There's information out there that's actually very damaging. And being the consumer, being selective, finding resources that are helpful, and then being curious of what is beyond that. What is beyond that lunch counter for you? And this is, again, back to considering your own experience and staying curious. So Cam, in our last few minutes, I think it would be helpful. We talked about your approach as young Cam to the lunch counter and your experience with the help desk side of the lunch counter. Let's talk about getting to that catalog experience for you. What did that look like? What did doing your own lunch counter work look like? back then? That is a great question. And so, yes, taking meds and moving forward, I actually, a couple of years after that diagnosis, I hired my first coach. It was Russell Culver. She was the coach at Duke University. And she helped me start to build my catalog because in my brain, it was me trying to describe my dilemma to myself and others. And others would not having this ADHD piece would try to assign meaning to it of, well, maybe it's, a, maybe it's something in your childhood. Maybe it's you know this or that. And we all kind of struggled with this. But when we identified it as ADHD and with the coaching, it was really looking at my experience. The struggle with these reports I had to write and her partnering, being non-judgmental, I could sit there and articulate my experience really accurately for the first time. And I think that's a thing that we embrace as coaches is in that partnering is there's a listening and a questioning component of coaching. Well, that means giving the person space to articulate their experience. And when I could start to see these bigger patterns, as you said, I was starting to connect these dots. And as I could connect those dots, that's actually kind of a, an attribute or an asset of the big brain, of the global creative. We've talked about galaxy brain moments, like these connections and like, oh, I'm tethering this dilemma to this obstacle 
And then what's the workaround there? But looking at that and then the practice element, it was very much hands-on as opposed to just kind of theoretical or have you tried this? It's go off, have your experience, come back. And what do we learn from that? And we make little adjustments. So that was key in my kind of cataloging that, starting to build that catalog. And then as I moved from teaching into coaching, that was another really big learning opportunity for me because I was going from kind of all these external supports I wasn't appreciating when the school day started, when class started, when the semester ended, when I could count on summer break to wide open. That's my the desert of lack of structureness. And so hard for me to build the necessary structures to build my program, build my marketing campaign, go out and find business. And coming to those terms again, like, oh, learning. But I was building that catalog as I was going. Cam, I think that's a great place for us to leave you, sort of that transition from teaching to coaching, because somewhere in that transition, and you've articulated this before on the show, is where you were able to get to the next place in our metaphor, which is where we will go next week. There's one more thing I want to say, and it's something that you said, is that in coaching, I was able to accurately articulate my experience for the first time. That's the power of curiosity. That's the power of getting out of the valleys. When our clients are in the valleys, and look, our clients can do great lunch counter work and still show up to a session in the valleys. When they're in the valleys, when they're in the limbic system, when you, listener, are in the limbic system, you cannot be curious. And that's that place where all of this emotionally laden language that distorts reality for us lives. So the first step in learning from your lived experience is noticing where you are. Because if you're in the valleys, we can't learn there. We have to figure out how to get up to the lunch counter and to get to that curious place. And we do it again and again. There's one other thing I want to add too, is that we're coaches. And so we, we're going to speak about coaching. It's what we know. And I want to say that this is just not a big giant plug for coaching. What this is a plug for is appreciating that what ADHD is a breakdown between cause and effect. It is a breakdown of taking learning and applying that learning to some future point in time. With that now, not now phenomenon, we will have our learning and then we'll kind of leave it on the side of the road. Our catalog box will, big window come up and the the catalog cards will just fly away, right? We're scrambling to pick up our cards. That's the dilemma of ADD. And so as you're working with this, it's not about, oh, get yourself a coach. What it is, is about be with your experience, work with someone. If you need to work with someone to do your work, we've said this before, with a therapist, but to, again, keep pushing forward and being curious about what might be beyond these level one symptoms for you. And then you can access that big brain element that can be such an asset in this situation. Well said, Cam. Coaching is one resource. It's not the only resource. This podcast is a resource. And 
as we said earlier in this episode, our listeners are doing this work just using the structure of this podcast, which is so cool. So it doesn't matter how you get there. It's about recognizing that that is the path to that greater change. That's what we want you to see. If you like what we're doing here on the show, there are two big ways that you can support us. Number one, and y'all haven't done this in a while, so I'm going to call you out a little bit. Somebody, somebody listening to this episode, please yeah, come leave, on, people. Please leave us a review. <laughs> reviews help other people find the show because the more reviews we have and the newer those reviews are, the more likely we are to show up in search results when people are searching on their podcast app for ADHD podcasts. So if you like what we're doing, you have the time to do it, please leave us a review. The second way is to become a patron. You can do that by visiting the website, translatingadhd.com. Click on the Patreon link in the upper right-hand corner. And for five bucks a month, not only are you supporting the show, but you can join our Discord community where our members are working together in a coach-like way to do this understand, own, translate work, to use this metaphor to do their own work together. So they're not telling each other what to do. They're supporting each other in their own learning, which is so cool. So until next week, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this is Translating ADHD. Thanks for listening.